sportsmanship, confidence building, positive attitude, learning from failure, and success. You'll find it all here. This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Welcome to the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you can hear this and all our other podcasts on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You know, the world of sports changes as we continue to grow. As society has changed, sports has changed. And what I'm seeing as a sports psychologist in practice for 36 years here in the Kansas City area is we're seeing more and more pressure on younger and younger kids to participate in sports, to win, to be on top, to be better than everybody else. There are pressures from parents, there are pressures from coaches, and pressures from other kids. One of the areas that many people don't talk about is the world of officiating. And officials play such a key role, whether you're a referee, an umpire, you play a role in the world of sports and in how the games end up, how the competitions go, and it's important to understand what their role is and how they impact the game. And today we're going to be talking with Andre Morgan, who's been an official, he's been a coach, he's a parent, and he's been involved in the world of sports for over 50 years. Okay, now I'm very privileged to be talking to Andre Morgan. Andre has been involved in sports his whole life. He's two years younger than me, 60 years of age. He's been a participant as a player, as a coach, as a parent. He's been an official for a long time in both the realms of baseball and football. And he's joining us live this morning. Andre, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. So, you know, I've been working as a sports psychologist for 36 years. And one of the topics that I find most interesting is the topic of being an official. It's changed a lot. And over the years, officials, you know, when you're, never, when you're an official and you're not talked about, that means you did a good job. But if somebody starts harping on you, boy, you get it from all angles, don't you? Yeah, you you can kind of be in the middle of the game, and as the comments start to come, you start to weigh them out. They're either being positive, which is rare, or they're being negative, which is means you need to make an adjustment. You know, you've been officiating for a long time in Illinois. You have a tremendous mm-hmm. background, a tremendous bio. Tell us a little bit just about how you got into officiating and why you do it. Because, you know, I've always been intrigued why someone would want to be an official. Because, like I said, if you do a good job, nobody says anything about you. But if you don't, boy, boy, you, you get it from everybody. Well, it's always hard to retire. Uh, you, you'd hate to give it up. And you, in sports, you really give it up two or three times. You, you retire as a player and you retire as a coach. And then you become an official. They say it's a natural progression from player to coach to official. And I never really thought about being an official uh, until my son started to reach the age of high school, and I wanted to be able to see them play. And I knew that as a head coach, that was going to be difficult because I was going to be over here coaching my team, and my kids were going to be at a different school playing. So I got out of coaching, and I said, I'm going to officiate because I can control my schedule. And it really started just that simple. I just wanted to be able to control my schedule and be able to see my kids play. And, boy, I didn't know what I was getting into when I started that journey. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be simple. Uh, and, and it wasn't simple. I mean, the, the first thing I did was I, you know, they give you a test. 
And I went to take the baseball test to get my license, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, I don't need to study for this. I know what's going on. I know the rules. I've been a head coach at two schools. I've been a college coach. And I took that test, and I failed that test miserably. And I mean, I'm talking about I wasn't even close. And I was, and I was embarrassed. You know, and I'm looking at this, I said, well, I guess maybe I don't know what's going on. And I had to open up the book and call some people and actually study the rules. And it was kind of humbling. And that was the first thing that let me know that this was not going to be easy. And then the second thing happened was I, I get the test, I get my license, and I we have these assigners that give you your games. And I called the guy up who, for years, I had been giving my schedule, and he'd been sending me officials. And I said, okay, I'm going to officiate now. I'm going to umpire. Send me a schedule. And he sent me a schedule of freshman games. And again, I was humbled. I'm like, and I called him up, and I said, what is this? I'm, I should be doing varsity. I'm a, I've been a head coach. I've been in baseball all my life. I was a professional scout. And blah, 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 blah. And he says, you don't know anything about officiating. You're going to start on the lower levels and work your way up. And he was right. And I was wrong. And it was just those type of things there made me realize that uh, I had a lot to learn about officiating. I mean, I can still remember plays and calls that I missed my first few years that I'm like, what was I thinking about? I didn't know. How much did ego play a role for you there? Ego was everything. Ego was everything because I thought that I should be granted some type of status that I hadn't earned. You know, that I should be made a varsity official, that I should be doing games right away because I was a coach and a player and, you know, a scout. And I just, ego was huge. Ego plays a big part in officials in general. Uh, you show me a successful official that doesn't have an ego and I'll show you a poor official. I mean, we we have to have that little bit of ego edge that makes us think that we're good, that we're the best. Because you cannot go into a game doubting yourself at any time. You know, so I have a, it, it played a part. I have a saying in our book, Just Let Them Play, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach, mm-hmm. it's about the athletes. But for an official... I can see where your ego has to play a role because you have to be able to assert yourself and stand up for yourself in certain situations or else you're going to be taken advantage of by players and coaches and fans. Every game, every time you have to. And when we're in our clinics and classes, there's a certain way that we have to walk on the field. And it could be a team that you've done them 20 times. You have to come on the field because when you step on the field, all eyes turn towards you, even for a brief moment. All the MC here, the football officials are here, the basketball officials are here. And if you come on there and, and you don't have that look, that presence, you know what I mean? It's sort of like being an actor. You're on stage. And ego plays a part in that. I mean, you've got to, you know, unconfident officials don't last long in this business. And our- so when we're training guys, we have to talk to them about that. And for everyone, that's not easy. You know, it, a lot of it depends on your personality. And if you don't have that personality, you have to be taught how to have that confident edge. In our book, we, we talk about the what we call the athletic box. And it's a square where I say there are four roles. The athlete is, is the target of all these roles. It's from the parent, the coach, and the official. And all three, parents, coaches, and officials, play a significant role on how the athlete will perform and how they feel about themselves. 
And what I've seen over the over the last few years, especially, is the pressures to win have become greater and greater on younger and younger athletes. And we're seeing athletes at four, five, six years of age now being in organized sports leagues, which I think is ridiculous at that age to be in an organized league. I think it's great to be on a team, learning skills, having fun, playing, but not being in a league. And you're seeing the pressures from parents today, I believe, to get their kids started earlier and the need and desire to win and be on top. You've been involved in sports basically as long as I have. Are you seeing a change in this as well? Absolutely. Uh, Parents want the scholarship. It's even parents that don't need the scholarship for the kid that want the scholarship. Uh, I'll never forget, I was coaching at a Division I university baseball, and there was a kid that we were pursuing. And the way scholarships work is, if you can financially pay for it, then we don't give you a scholarship. We still want you on the team. And, uh, and it's cut into a pie. You know, there's how much you know federal assistance you can get, how much you can pay out of pocket, and then the university will cover the rest. Well, in this particular student-athlete situation, his family was well off, okay? And he was a recruit, but he wasn't like AAA. We had to have him, but he still was a recruit. So we, when we went through the finances and found out that his family basically could cover 100%. And, and I, I left out one part, too, of that pie, and that's the academic portion. It's huge. I'm sorry. But he, between his academics and his family's wallet, we didn't need to spend our athletic scholarship on him. And so when we brought that to him and his parents, his father called us out the room. He said, look, I really need my kid to have an athletic scholarship. Uh, what can you do? And we explained to him our situation. We said, okay, we'll talk. So we got together, and we literally gave this kid a $200 athletic scholarship so that we could sign him so that the parents would be happy. And so the kid could walk around and say, I got an athletic scholarship. And that's kind of the way the world is today. They want this scholarship. They want this notoriety. And they're willing to sell their soul for it at an early age. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of sad in a way. Uh, you almost wish that there were no scholarships for anybody so that we could level the playing field because the playing field's not level because people are willing to do anything, uh, you know, to get into college and have it paid for, even though they can pay for it. So what you've noticed that. What you're saying then is you're, what you're seeing the role of parents today, in your opinion, I guess I'm interpreting it, it it's getting worse. It's, there's more pressure now, more expectations, more demands from parents, and that then gets transferred down to the kids as well. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, the kids are not as bad as the parents. There's many times that I see parents acting outside of their body over situations that they feel that the kid is wrong and uh, the kid will make a comment like maybe we'll be in the batter's box and dad is on the fence going nuts or mom and the kid will just send us like oh I wish he wasn't here or shut up dad or that type of thing. I've seen kids verbally just stop the game and turn to their dad and go it's fine dad the pitch was a strike stop you know that type of thing and uh, parents are really I don't think that there's a a place where they can go and learn how to behave. So they just do whatever. 
And anytime you do anything that they feel that their kid is wronged, they act out. And it can only be pressure, I, I think. I mean, you know, what else can it be? And it's got to be self-imposed pressure, you know, for whatever reasons that they have. Uh, it's, 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 I give a little bit of it to love. We all love our kids. And when I would go and watch my athletes, my kids, both my sons were athletes, I had to mentally say to myself, okay, that official's just working hard. My kid is doing the best he can. Don't act out. Because you you invested in your kid. And uh, these parents, they just, they're just out there really, really bad at this point. And we see it all the time, the courtesy of the Internet. You see videos of parents really losing it. It's sad, actually. You know, Andre, in our, in our book, Just Let Them Play, we have a whole section on parenting. And one of the things we talk about in there, and, and I, I know this sounds sort of silly, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I encourage coaches at every game to bring a bag of Tootsie Pops or Lollipops and hand it out to the parents. <laughs> and, say, and, yeah. and just go up to the parents and say, listen, do me a favor, suck on this during the game. Don't tell your kid well, that he sucks. Suck on this. And it's amazing. I have had coaches who have called my weekly radio show in Kansas City and told me that they have done that, and it has done wonders for the parents because they stop screaming at their kids. They Just before we started this podcast, I was looking at the news, and I just had a program on, on the Today Show. And uh, it was a feature on a league that there are no parents involved. The kids make the rules, baseball league. And, you know, these are... 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and they're playing baseball just like you and I played. We'd get together in the morning, and we'd go out to the sandlot and play. And they marveled at how relaxed the kids were because there was no pressure on the kids. They're just having. They just they're just having out there fun. having fun, right? And we said right. at the same time, they're out there having right. fun. And that's gone. I grew up in a neighborhood where after school, if I wasn't playing tennis, which was my sport, my friends and I would go up to the grade school, which is three houses up the street, we would play football. We'd play baseball up there. We'd play basketball in my driveway because I had the wraparound driveway. And we'd play. We didn't have parents telling us what to do. We didn't have parents instructing us. We just played. And that ha- has left society today for a large de- to a large degree. Now, <clears throat> there are safety issues that obviously exist and are more prominent today than there were 45 years right. ago when you and I were growing up. And, and th- those are obviously important issues. But... Nonetheless, I think the, the issue to control kids and make them great at such early ages is getting transferred to younger and younger kids now. And I'm seeing in my practice, I've been in practice, as I said, for 36 years as a sports psychologist. I'm seeing eight, nine, ten-year-olds in my office now who are burned out, who are stressed out, who are freaked out and have no confidence because of things that have happened from coaches and parents in sports activities. And I'm sure as an official, you've seen it as well. Oh, yes, definitely. It is uh, very, very easy to burn out your kid. It is so easy. Um, I I just think back to my older kid, and when he was playing travel baseball, which was in his infancy then, it was now out of control, travel baseball. Probably could do a whole segment on just that. But anyway, it was, it was, we played an 80-game season, and this was the year 2000 and... How old was he at that point? Uh, he was 14. So he was going from 8th grade into freshman year. So he's playing he half played. as many games as major leaguers play in 8th grade. Right. 
And and it was kind of a, you know, I had to do it because he had the talent, you know, and they had national rankings of the players, and, and the team was very good. Every kid on that team eventually played high school baseball. Well, uh, and we played 80 games. We went to the national championship and all of this, and we spent a, loads of money, you know, uh, on this event. Where I think back to when I was a kid, we played maybe 15 games, and then we had an all-star season, and that was it. And everything else was in the neighborhood. But let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. Okay, of all those kids on that team, how many of them ended up probably having some kind of medical issue by the time they finished high school? (laughs) Uh, Medical as far as physical or mental? Either one. (laughs) We can go with both. I mean, overuse injuries are now a very, very prob- big problem in sports because well, kids I are- don't know about the mental. I know my kid for sure had a physical injury, several physical injuries. Uh, uh, ACL, meniscus twice, uh, labrum. But he was a ru- he, he, my son became a wrestler. So that's part of the deal there. Uh, but from uh, but from overuse, Andre, from overuse, how many of those yes. kids you think ended up having some problems? I'd say maybe a third. Uh, I know honestly, I know one that's still playing right now, and he just came off an injury that got him out of pro ball and back into independent baseball. He pitcher and over usage. Uh, a lot of them had over usage injuries during their high school careers. Well, yeah, and that's and that's the problem we're having today. So let me ask this question: as an official, so let, as I said earlier, we could talk about so many different things. You, you, you're such a dynamic individual. I love talking with you here. The, 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 the well, you're welcome. The, the problem, I think, for for officials today, has a lot to do. And you said earlier with parents. Okay, so so let's talk about what can you do as an official when you're officiating a, a youth sports game or a high school game in terms of trying to get parents under control? What can be done? Because you've got, let's say you're out there, you know, calling balls and strikes, and you've got a dad, and it's an eighth or ninth grade, grader that you're an eighth or ninth grade team, and the dad's on the fence screaming at you. All right, what do you do right there? Because the, the son's, like you said, the son's angry at his dad for yelling at him. He's yelling at you. What do you do? How do we change that? What's the best way for an official to help Make that problem go away. What do you What do you suggest? Well, there's the hard and fast way. You know, you, generally, what we don't want to do as an official is we don't want to stop the game and bring that parent onto the stage. This is the child's event. This is his moment. So what I'll do is I'll do one or two things, depending on the level of the game. I'll go to the coach, and I'll say, hey, I don't want you to turn around right now. But the guy with the blue shirt on is really become under distraction to the game. Can you handle that for me? And then I'm going to get one or two responses from the coach. He's either going to say, yeah, I'll take care of it, or he goes, he'll sigh and go, yeah, he's a problem every game. I don't know what to do. All right. And then the second option I have is I can go to what we call game management, the athletic director, somebody that's really big and – uh, running the, the tournament or whatever, and ask him to remove the parent. Uh, because what I've noticed is if I turn to him as an official, uh, he wants to be noticed. He wants me to 
digress and say something to him uh, to bring him onto the event because he's angry and you kind of don't want to fight that battle because now that stops all the kids now stop enjoying the game. Well, you know, I said earlier, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. Parents should do it as well. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, and that's the whole thing. So I, I think you just hit it on the head. See, in our book, we talk about the preseason meeting. And in the yeah. preseason meeting, I encourage coaches to sit down with the parents and athletes and, and set up their guidelines, parameters for the season, and answer all questions and talk about this topic. You know, game, sportsmanship, I think, is something we, it's become more prominent, but it's not talked about enough and it's not educated enough with parents especially. And I think what you and, and this is where, as an official, you come in. To me, the coach should at the beginning of the season talk about sportsmanship, about game behavior from parents, and then at the beginning of a game, one of the things you do as an official say, "Listen, if there's an out of control parent, I'm coming to you to take care of that parent." And I think that that oftentimes can can fix that, don't you? Yes, it can, and 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 sometimes we do do that, especially in big tournaments. Well, we'll we'll inform them that. You're responsible for your fans. And, and, and they, you know, see, coaches are funny. They agree to anything and everything when everything's peaceful in the beginning. But then when it all breaks down, you know, and you go to the coach, and I had this happen this year, and, you know, the coach says, well, that's not my fan. No, yes, he is your fan because he's complaining about everything that happens with your team. You know, and so a lot of times coaches don't want to confront that parent. And why is that? Because they want that player to play. And they know that that parent is radical, and he might even pull his kid. You know, uh, it, it, it's kind of bad in that aspect. But as an official, I'm charged with making the game fair and safe for everybody. Not just your kid, but the other team, too. Would it be helpful? So, uh, let me ask this question, Andre. Would it be helpful... Because I believe this very strongly. If all parents spent some time working as an official in their child sport, oh, absolutely, and coaches too. Yes, but absolutely, right, right. absolutely. Uh, like I said, I didn't. I thought I knew my sports, but when I put that uniform on, it changed my whole world. I would be such a better coach if I was. I'm not going to, but if I ever went back to coaching. Oh, I would, I, it would be different because you see a whole new aspect of the game. A parent needs to really understand the dynamics of calling balls and strikes or throwing a flag or whistling a, a, a foul and then go back and sit in the stands because they don't know. They just they feel that, and, and America's kind of like this when you think about it. What are Americans taught to do? to go to the baseball game and razz the umpire. That's what we do. It's not right, but that's what happens. We go to football game, we sit in the stands, and we complain about a foul. We, the heck with whether the foul is legit, that's what we do. Now, unfortunately for officials, we need to get those calls right to shut down that negative behavior because we now have video screens that tell it all. And I was in a meeting yesterday uh, for football officials as we get ready for football officiating, and they talked about that, about how we need to get the calls right as much as possible because it's on TV. Everything's on TV. Everything's on video. Everyone has a camera phone. So we can help with that. 
But there are just some parents that no matter what, they're going to razz the umpire. And I don't know if they get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go to Little Johnny's game and get on the ump. But I guarantee you, that guy that you see doing that, it's not a one-time thing. I once had a parent uh, that every game that I did for this team, he was saying something. And I eventually got, and, he went, it would, and it would be either me if I was on the plate or if I was in the bases, he'd get the guy that was my partner. So eventually, I just walked up to him one day in between innings. I go, you know, I've been watching your act, and it's, it's getting a little tired, and, and your kid doesn't like it. I said, you should just kind of stop. And he kind of looked at me because he was surprised that I approached him because I did something I normally don't do, which is approach a fan. But he was leaning on the fence and doing his thing. And so I said, here's what you should do. If you really feel the way you feel about these calls, I can set it up where you can learn to officiate. I said, but in the meantime, could you go and stand out in left field? And you can continue to do what you do in left field. And he went out there in left field. And the coach came up to me and he goes, thank you. No one's ever addressed him. They just let him keep doing what he does. And it's kind of, that's the way it is, I guess. Americans are taught to berate officials. I really want to focus, Andre, on this. You know, sports has changed in our society. It's it's become more focused on winning, on results, on on young kids getting involved. As an official, what do you think, Andre, you can do to help educate people better. You've been involved in this field for, for years and years. You've, you've got credentials that speak for themselves. You're, you're an expert. You're a parent. You're, you've been a coach. You've been an athlete. You've been a journalist. What do you think we can do best to educate people today, especially from the perspective of being an official? I, I think that it has to start at the very young age. And we've touched on a couple of things that I think help. Uh, when they're in T-ball, and Little League, we need to encourage parents to become part of the officiating process. Don't just go straight into coaching. Officiate. Work within the rules. I think that we have to have parent meetings more often. Uh, when I was a head coach, I had a parent meeting, and I also had a contract, which the player and the parent signed, and a lot of it concerned your behavior. And education, I think, is what we could do to make it better. We just have to continue to point out the negative behavior, show how you look bad, or, or maybe not you per se, but your peers. Uh, and we have to educate and teach them that this is the way you should be acting because you're not helping your kid. And I'm a big believer in this is the child's event. We want it to become a fun experience for him. It's not a job, although I say that with Tupper Jason because sports has become a job for the teenage athlete, and that's a whole other story. But we want the kids to have fun, and the parents are part of that fun. And I don't think they realize that, and it needs to be taught. So to answer your question, I think we have to do more teaching at a younger age because the parents are growing up with the kids. There's no rule book on how to be a parent. Well, okay. Andre, so, you have, you have hit, you have hit this right on the head, and it's it 
addresses a lot of the issues we talk about in our book, Just Let Him Play, which is why we wrote it. I wrote the book with an ex-Major League all-star pitcher and a Hall of Fame Olympic swim coach because both of them coached each of my sons, but both of them mm-hmm. understand what it's about. And that's why we put this together. And that's why I think, you know, first of all, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. You've you've shared tremendous information with everybody, and, and your perspective is is great because you get it. You understand what it's about. If people would like to get a hold of you, how can they reach you, Andre? Well, my email is always direct, morganandre at live.com, uh, L-I-V-E dot com. And then, of course, I, I don't have a problem with my cell phone if they would like to call me. 708-446-7202. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Tremendous perspective, tremendous opinions that I think most people need to hear and understand. You've got a great perspective, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That wraps it up for this digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. Great interview with Andre Morgan. Remember, you can hear this and other great interviews on winnersunlimited.com. Thanks for listening. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You've been listening to Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Find out more at winnersunlimited.com.